Hello. You are tuned into Geraldo's Edge Game, episode 10. This is the season finale of season one. Don't know how we got here, but uh, don't know if this will be it. Don't know if we'll be renewing for season two. But some quick housekeeping. I quit my job uh, today, actually. I, I put in my two weeks about an hour ago. And uh, don't know what I'll be doing now. I think I will be perhaps returning to uh, doing camming, perhaps full-time or part-time. Uh so hit me up. I'm going to be on Streammate. Link in the bio. Ask me. DM me. I'll put it in here in the video as if you're going to type it out yourself. Um, but yeah, I may return to that. Or I just might not do anything. I might just be a piece of shit again. Uh, not that I ever stopped being one, but... Took a, a short break, I think. Less shitty than usual over the past couple months. And uh, whenever I make a, a life decision like this, I, uh, I like to think about what my mom would say. <laughs> what, my, what my mom would say and feel and think about... Um, how successful her son is, uh, her only, her only son. And I would say she's, she doesn't know, you know, she doesn't know about the things I do really. I don't really keep in touch, but <clears throat> I'm sure this is what she would love to hear about me doing these days this job and you can only wonder what kind of mom would create me create this beast of a person you know how did I become this and you know we talked about my dad having a lot of influence last episode if you pay attention if you actually listen uh, but really the I think most of the credit has to go to mommy has to go to mommy, both good and bad. It's all mommy. And I'm not blaming her for my current state. That's not what I'm getting at. This is not me shaming mother. But I just wanted to process a little bit. I think at the root of it, perhaps all of this, anything I've ever done with porn, and as you know me as Geraldo Rivera, May just be despite my mom. I don't know. I uh, I haven't quite figured that out yet. I don't know if I will. This might be one of those things that uh, I can't. I don't. You know, actively, consciously attribute to mommy issues. But um, hey, hey, I'll let you be the judge. <laughs> Uh, if you want some more basis of 
you may you may have to listen to some previous ones. I, I'm sure I mentioned these things plenty of times already. I, I find that I'm rehashing things, running out of uh, stories, or I just tell the same things over and over again. I don't know, but uh, basically, you know, my mom has always been. She's overall good, you know. After she split up with my dad, she had me most of the time since between like three and like 16. And uh, she is mentally ill. Okay. Don't know what exactly. We think some sort of bipolar. Um, and I think I got some of that. I got some of that, at least of the depression. I don't know if I subscribe to you know, uh, bipolar diagnoses or, you know, bipolar in general, at least in the more mild forms, which is what supposedly I have is, uh, not otherwise specified, which is just a diet way of saying you're crazy or not crazy, but just like, we want to give you some pills. We want to give you harder pills. Anyway, my point being, uh, my mom's unmedicated, doesn't believe in, in that sort of thing, but so most of her life, she was pretty off the wall. And I didn't know that. I didn't know relative to what, you know, I didn't have other moms to compare to. And there was no one else really in my life telling me that seeing my mom as we lived and then also being able to say like, hey, that needs to change or like that isn't right, you know, until much later on, which is common for a lot of uh, problematic parenting and for people in general, they just live lives that are like so, uh, that aren't right, that aren't meant to uh, be that way. And so I learned a lot of habits, picked up a lot of habits uh, of how to treat people and view people from my mother. And she would always flip flop between being very like loving and, and warm towards people and how much I need to like stay connected to family and friends. And, and then like she would go through a phase of like, I'm just never going to talk to anyone again. Like, please leave me alone. We're going to not go to holidays. We're not going to Christmas. We're not going to anything anymore. Um, just, you know, be your own person. Uh, and then was very prideful about, you know, having done things herself, made it for herself. Um, made a name for herself on her own without help and then spend the other half of the year, you know, saying how much her, you know, her 10 siblings helped her get to where she is today and that she'll always support them and blah, blah, blah. You get my point. You get my point is, is that there's just a lot of mixed messages coming from my mom all the time. Um, and so where I am now I, you know, I don't, I, I, I went the other way of being more of a loner, you know, so I went the way, well, I also don't have 10 siblings, so there wasn't anyone to really connect with anyway, but she definitely confused me in that sense. But I kind of get it now. I used to judge the way she would flip flop like that, but I kind of get it. I get the way she's so I like isolated. I, I feel it and I respect it. People are exhausting. Uh, <sighs> so I'm trying to make up for last week since I didn't come at all. 
I guess uh, something about my dad doesn't doesn't turn me on, but apparently something about my mom does. <laughs> so that's why I'm starting real early this time, trying to get it get it going. Um, my mom was very uh, emotionally manipulative, you know, saying things like, uh, well, she just had a lot of things going on even before she had me, things that, you know, you should take care of or try to take care of or at least take into account before you have a child. Uh, one of them being just like that she was still suicidal actively, like not actively, but had suicidal ideation going into parenthood. This isn't, I'm not talking just like uh, uh, postpartum depression. I'm talking like, you know, lifelong like suffering and pain and, and whatever. Um, and then going and having a kid and thinking, well, maybe that'll, <laughs> that'll help. Maybe that'll, uh, that'll make it worthwhile. And I can like kind of understand going into it like that, not saying it's right. And, you know, that's obviously the wrong thing to do is to have a child to, uh, you know, fix your problems or to, uh, to give you purpose, I think that's definitely the wrong way to uh, look at it and handle it. But that's uh, the way I, I see it, the way I see her handling it. Um, and, you know, you can't assume those things. It's just that she made it very clear that that's kind of what it was. It, it's It's different if you have that. I think maybe a lot of parents like do that and they and you just never tell your kid that right you just don't that's not just something you just don't bring up but my mom no that's it's different with my mom luckily she's very uh very transparent about how she feels with some things and she would tell me that uh, if it weren't for me she would have killed herself um, a long time ago um but she's saying this kind of thing when she is also like manic and like crying when she's clearly like not also having still not having a good time in her life. Um, saying that to me when I'm like 12 or like 13, you know, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of always had this pressure of like, well, I guess I need to uh, make my mom happy then uh, or else she'll fucking die. Uh which would have been nice, which is fine, you know, but would have been nice to split that responsibility between at least one other sibling, you know, to at least have one other sibling to, uh, to have her life depend on. Right. But, uh, no, pretty much just me, you know, I don't think my stepdad really took on any brunt of that, that responsibility. You know, she, he wasn't her reason to live. I was, um, and so I think most of my life, I spent it pretty motivated purely by my mom. Um, and she didn't like, you know, she didn't like micromanage my decisions, but, you know, there was, there was definitely like an insidious uh, guilt trip associated with anything I would do. And, you know, obviously perfectionism, blah, 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 but made me very afraid to like take risks and do anything like weird or like different or, you know, risky. I was very risk averse most of my life. Um, she didn't shelter me, but she didn't like, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, she didn't make it very, I could watch, I could watch it. You know, I could watch whatever I wanted. I could pretty much like go out and do it, but I just knew the guilt would, would always be there. Um, there were just some things she would be okay with. I'm being very vague, but, uh, you know, just the classic, like, Going, growing up, like, you'll be a doctor someday. That'll be it. That's, like, done deal. And that's kind of, like, I was kind of okay with that for most of my life. I was like, yeah, that'll that'll work. Um, I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, and then I had all my issues in high school, all the suicide, the depression, and, and whatever, whatever. Um, and so the consolation was... The consolation prize was going to nursing school. It was still medical and it was still pretty like, <laughs> I guess, respectable for a Filipino. Uh, it's pretty standard. You know, it's kind of like entry level Filipino stuff is, is being a nurse. Um, and that's kind of like the only reason our relationship was kind of fine was because I, I I got into school somehow. I got into college. I got into nursing school, and then we talked again. But before that, it, we were kind of on the track of, like, never speaking again because I was, like, probably, you know, I, 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 I should have been, I could have been, like, a deadbeat nothing. Um, I felt like I was already, I was in such a, a rut. And if I didn't get into school, I probably would have just, um, like, started doing hard drugs or something. I don't know because, like, I would have just been like living at home probably in, 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 you know, Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania in my hometown with a bunch of other fucking losers who stayed in their hometown and, uh, and been bored out of my mind. I wouldn't have, and I don't like, and I can't drink alcohol cause I can't process alcohol. So I definitely would have like, you know, weed would not have been enough. I would have definitely just. I already was experimenting, but I would have just definitely like gone into, I would have, I would have fell off. I would have fell off really hard. Um, in my mind. And I still could, I still could. Uh, the only difference is that I have a, a nursing degree and that makes it okay. You know, cause like I always have something to fall back on if I, you know, um, but it's all bullshit. You know, I don't think, I, I feel like I still have that potential to, to go off. And anyway, the point being is, uh, I'm in a place in my life, obviously that I, <laughs> I'm not an influenced by my mom as much. If any, if any, anymore, it's all internal. It's all internalized. Like what would my mom say to this situation? It's not, it's not her actually saying anything anymore or her even knowing anything anymore. Um, and so, this isn't a direct. When I started doing porn, it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a direct retaliation or whatever of my mom's or uh, influence. I'm sorry, I'm distracted right now. <laughs> I'm going too going too hard right now. Um, what? What? So, <laughs> I don't have as many funny anecdotes about my mom as I do about my dad, even though I spent so much more time with her. 
she was always a much more serious person. Like she's funny sometimes, but uh, I don't know. Like one of my earliest memories is like she. Uh, I don't know if this is that early. I know it was before third grade at least, but I remember we watched uh, American Pie. We watched an American Pie rerun on TV on cable. And, uh, and she used it as like a kind of segue into a sex talk, which I thought was cool of her maybe at the time. And I wasn't even at an age where I was like, oh, that's awkward or anything. It was just more of like, cause I, cause I don't think she really could have had this, like a good sex talk with me at the time, even if we had something to say, or if I was interested because I, it was weird because I felt like her impression of like what my of what sex culture would be for me growing up in the States was based on like American movies or like American like just like movies and shows she's seen. Uh, I don't know. Like there's no raunchy like Filipino sex comedy as far as I know, at least nothing that's popular. Uh, it'd be funny if there was. I would watch it. But uh I like to think I like to think my mom learned about like a lot of things from watching like American movies. And so having that as a teaching using that as a teaching tool to uh to help me navigate my sex life and my sexuality at an early age. I don't know if we talked about anything. I just know it was like if you she was like I'm not, if you have any question just ask me like like just open the door of, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. Um, she was always kind of weird. Yeah, she was like kind of open about certain things. I think she wanted to be cool mom. She didn't want to be too restrictive. Maybe she was worried about being the stereotypical tiger mom. I don't know. I don't think her mom was very overbearing or anything in that sense, but, um, she, I remember in like, middle school or it might have been like before I got to middle school she sat me down and was like uh Anak if um <laughs> she's like Anak I know probably you have friends that are into uh smoking and I just you know I just want to make sure that you were prepared <laughs> and so she offered to um, like buy us cigarettes. She offered to buy a pack of cigarettes for us and we would um, sit and, and smoke cigs together. We would blast cigs together just so that I could try it um, in like a safe environment with someone who I trust and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and I think about that a lot because I wish I had. I wish I had taken her up on that offer Cause I'm curious, like what, first of all, what she would, what, what brand would she buy? I, I feel like she would have just bought like Marlboro Reds or something and just something really stereotypical. I don't know how much, how well versed my mom is in cigs, but maybe whatever her dad smoked. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's also funny cause I just never seen her smoke anything. So the idea of being like, I would have been like 12 at the time, maybe and just sitting and smoking a cig with my mother. Cool. But yeah, it never happened. 
never happened. <laughs> um, I don't know. She's a, she's a mystery to me. I think. I think she's she's very mysterious. Now that I like sit and think, I'm like I don't really know. I don't think I truly understand. I don't, I truly don't understand her and how she functions and how she thinks. And I want to only as I get older, I kind of just kind of assume I'm like, okay, I kind of get it now. I kind of get, I'm, I'm following these same patterns of behavior that I feel like I've seen in my mom. And I can, I just assume my, my mindset was the same as hers when she was fucking 27. Um, maybe similar. I don't know. Maybe, but She used to tease me a lot in middle school. She teased me a lot. I think I think my mom bullied me the most more than anyone. I didn't get bullied really at school. I mostly got bullied by my mother uh in middle school when I was starting to discover. I think she was, she was like Filipinos are like really like weirdly hype about your sexual blossoming if you're a guy they're really excited for you to start like fucking and like jerking off. It's weird. Uh, not like in a horny way. They're just like, it's, it's like, they're really proud. I feel like maybe it's not all Filipinos, but my, my, my mom's family was like, it's a joke. Like they're joking, but it's also like they're, they're, they're excited to see you grow as like a sexual being. Um, my mom would like, I think when I first started jerking off, which I th- I've told the story, I think, but when I first started jerking off, um, my mom would tease me about, I, th- I thought it was slick. Okay. I want to, I want to say that I thought, you know, everyone, when they start jerking off, they think they're slick. They think they keep it hidden and someone's going to find out whether it's knowingly or that they just they're slick about it, but I used to keep a lotion. <laughs> I used to keep a lotion, a lubriderm bottle, and like a roll of toilet paper in my closet. I would tuck it away somewhere in the corner or whatever. Um, and I thought it was slick. We had a lot of lubriderm in the house because my my stepdad worked uh, for what was, I believe, Pfizer. Pfizer used to own all the Lubriderm products. We used to have a shit ton of lotion and Listerine and uh, and other stuff, other other brands. And then they got bought by J and J. At least those products did. Not all of Pfizer. So, <laughs> not talking about vaccines here, by the way. I'm talking about Lubriderm. And so I jerked off with hella lubriderm. We had the whole line, all sorts of lubriderms in the house, which was great. I didn't realize there was other things for jerking off with. Lotion was the best thing I had at the time. Uh, anyway, it di- disappeared one day. I had assumed, I was like, that's weird. But then I was like, well, I guess that means my mom either found it and cleaned it 
But I was like, maybe she doesn't know I was jerking off with it. Maybe she just thought I just had my own bottle of lotion and tissues were from blowing my nose, you know? Uh, but then she started making jokes about uh, doing, uh, about Jackal Jackal is how she would refer to me jerking off. Uh, which I found out only recently is that it's an actual, uh, it's an actual Filipino slang is jackal jackal. I always just thought she was, that was just her own personal, like little thing that she was calling me a jackal for someone that jacks off a lot. But apparently it's a common, I don't know how common, but it's an actual Filipino slang term for masturbating jackal. I don't know if it's jackaling like a verb or if it's just like just for the concept of masturbating is just jackal. Um, but she would always say it twice. Jackal, jackal. Uh, <laughs> so she joke about jackal, jackal. And she'd always say it when I like would break out. If I had an acne breakout, she would just be like, oh, not too much jackal, jackal. <laughs> And I'd have to like, be like, yeah, yeah. So she'd bully me about that pretty frequently. Uh, as many of my other family members too, they would like tease me about if I was in the bathroom for too long, they'd be like, did you, you know, what happened in there? <laughs> uh, Surprisingly, it didn't get to me. Surprisingly, didn't didn't kill myself um, from all that all that humiliation. Uh, but I did. I was jerking off a lot, though. That's why I wasn't that mad. I think I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I am. I am. How did you know? I am jerking off a lot. How did you know? Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I think my mom always wanted to, uh, I don't know. I think she still wanted the best for me, but there was always, there were just a lot, there were just too many times where she would just call me garbage and like trash, you know? for doing the mildest of like mistakes, I guess that you would expect maybe a kid to make. Uh, I just, I think it was just one too many times and I just couldn't get over it. I just couldn't be, I couldn't just get over it and stop being a fucking baby about it. And, um, I don't know. She was glad I was gifted. And I think she, I think I wish I was never identified gifted. Cause I think that set my mom's expectations way too high of what I should have been and, and done with my life. Um, which is a bullshit thing in general, which I think is a giftedness is, is retarded. Um, it's, it's really no different than just being autistic. I think, <laughs> 
you might as well just put them in the same class and just not be able to tell them apart. You just put you put autistic kids and the gifted kids in the same classroom, in the same special ed classroom, and it'll be fine. I think that's the way to streamline that. Um. Anyway, but the point being is, uh, you know, I cut corners a lot, like like most of my schooling, like all of my schooling actually cheated most of the time or as much as I could, as much as I needed to do to like bump up from a B to an A, which is what was required of me. Um, cause it was my, my only job with school is what I remember my mom saying most of the time and that she would fire me if I didn't, uh, perform well enough. And she would send me back to the Philippines. That was her like major, not back to the Philippines. She would just send me to the Philippines. I, I wasn't born there. She was just saying, uh, if you, you know, if you don't appreciate what you have here, I'm going to send you there and then you'll see. <laughs> so I spent most of my life, I think, afraid of like the homeland. I was, I, I was like afraid of going to where my mom grew up, being sent away to the Philippines. And I went, I've been, I've been twice. I've been now and I've seen it and it is shitty. It is a shitty place. Um, it's, I think at the time it wasn't as shitty when I was younger, when my, when my mom was threatening, when the threat was looming, but it is definitely shittier now. Uh, but it's funny to, to fear a place that I guess um, I have roots I have roots in and there's part of me that sh like wants to go now as an adult and like live there. Uh, not that I'm afraid, but it's like, yeah, I should, I should send myself to the Philippines after all these years of, of that being, that being the motivator for me to like do well in school and in life and to be nice and respectful to people is to avoid being banished to the Philippines. Um, <laughs> I yeah I might I might do that I might do that but that was her threat that was her threat for when I got caught cheating when I got caught plagiarizing in like fifth grade or something I plagiarized like a JFK essay or something and I was I got good I got really good at plagiarizing I stopped getting caught as much I wasn't that good because I still got caught because I would like when I get depressed I would be lazy my plagiarism, I would stop. Uh, I wouldn't double check my things as often or change as many things and blah, blah, blah. So I got caught again. I remember in like, it was like 10th grade. It was like 10th grade. I got caught cheating. I got caught plagiarizing an essay on, uh, on Animal Farm. Cause I didn't read it cause it's fucking animal farm. You get the gist of the book. You don't need to read the whole fucking book. But the point is I was like, I don't have an opinion on this. I'm in 10th grade. I'm like, don't ask me to like try to formulate. Like, I don't know. I, th I think it's not like we're dumb in 10th grade, but it's one of those books that's like, you really can't fully understand the implications of what's happening. I think, I think, I think I don't think you'll un you like even college kids get the full breadth of like 
what communism really means and what capitalism really means uh, and where you fit actually into it. I think that's the important piece is where you fit into either ideology or whatever. Um, but yeah, okay. So not political. I'm apolitical. I'm not, I don't have an opinion. I don't really, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I got I got caught I got caught plagiarizing. I remember that meeting we had was like between that my my English teacher, who like was like, she's this fat like wide round woman, who in my mind is an owl and looks like an owl, and just like the way her head would rotate on its axis was like there was no like real neck area, just kind of like. I, you know, the way an owl looks, the way just the head turns, like, and it's, I don't know. That's such how I would see her. Uh, she just had these big old glasses and, like, a big, big old nose. And I just saw her as, a, as an owl. Um, her and then my gifted professor, my gifted teacher, who is just this waspy white woman. Yeah, just a waspy woman uh, who looked just cracked out. I don't know. Just like a cracked out white lady who apparently was also probably gifted herself and is, uh, was responsible for managing the gifted children of her high school. And then, uh, and then my mom and then my mom was there and my mom tends to have this look of, uh, it, she has this look like she just went on like a coke. She just like binged coke for like a week or something. Like her eyes will just be like completely bloodshot, and and her eyes will just be completely sunken in. And I think it's I I thought about this a lot. And there were like days where she would like start the day looking like that. And I'm pretty sure it was because. She would cry in the shower. I think she used to cry a lot in the shower because they used to my my mom and my stepdad used to get in fights all the time about her taking too long of a shower. And there's no joke about her jerking off in the shower. That's not where I'm going with this, but for me it was. For me, I was jerking off and crying, probably at the time. I was doing one or the other or both. Um but for my mom, she just would always say, like, I just like taking long showers. I just like never, you know, I grew up not having the luxury of a shower and now I love it as an adult and I like, like it more than the average person in America with running water. Um, I don't know. So she would take really long showers and come out like looking miserable. And I never thought much about it. I just, I just assumed she was like getting like mad shampoo in her eye <laughs> or something dumb. Like, I don't know, getting soap in places they shouldn't be. And she just always looked like that. And I remember she came to this meeting looking like that. And I was like, oh, bad shower. And yeah, and they told her, you know, I got caught uh, plagiarizing. It's bad. It's a bad thing. It's not going to fly when you go to college. Just something they like telling you all the time in school. It's like, this isn't going to fly when you get to college, when you get to the real world. No, it was actually way easier to get get away with plagiarism in college. And I did. I, I got reported twice, actually, for plagiarizing in college. One was bullshit, but the other was real. 
and nothing happened. Nothing really happened. I, I mean, I failed the class, but that's just a money thing. You know, you just retake it. It's just a money thing. Uh, and maybe because I did it freshman year, but I remember that ride home, she was, she was completely like silent during this meeting. And then the ride home, she, even, even as we're walking out of the school through the parking lot to the car, I remember she's screaming already. Like she's fuming, like literally like stomping. I feel like, I feel like she was stomping on the ground. Um, excuse me. Sorry. One second. Something just happened here. Okay. Uh, you know, and we got in the car, got in the in the Ford Focus station wagon, and she just started screaming like, you know, how insulted she was, uh, that she was so, um, that I would do this to her, that I would I would embarrass her so badly uh, by doing this, and that I had no respect for what she does. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, the classic, whatever. You can probably imagine fill in the blank. But, and then the drive home was only like 10 minutes, but it felt like forever because she was laying on the horn and also simultaneously like flooring it down like a, in like a 25 mile per hour zone. And then also like, like, slapping the steering wheel and like punching the steering wheel and like punching the seat and like going just fucking ape shit just going ape shit and i was like in the passenger seat like curled up as far as i could away from her like by the door by the window and like strongly considering like should i jump out should i jump should i tuck and roll and just fucking jump out the car because we're gonna fucking crash we're going to fucking crash. Um, and we didn't. Somehow we didn't. And somehow I didn't jump out because I was too pussy. But um, I never forget that. I'll never forget that ride. And I was worried. I was like, this is going to get so much worse when we get back home. And I was expect. I was fully expecting like a beating. I was fully expecting like to get the shit kicked out of me when I got home. But instead, which I think is even worse uh, than getting just beat the fuck up, is that she um, like went inside, was quiet, had gotten quiet by the time we got home. As we're pulling the driveway, she was just silent. And not like, just not like any, no, emo- I was like, oh my God. Oh, I don't, I had no idea what was coming. And so we went inside and she curled up in a ball on the couch and just started, um, like wailing, like, like a fucking, uh, like a banshee. I don't know. I I don't know if that's the right. She just started wailing, you know, just, just, just this like guttural, like moan, cry like she was in, in like an immense pain you know like she was dying and it was just me and her in the house no one else was home and rob i think already had already gone to work for the day so that, that means he didn't come back until like 11 o'clock at night and um 
I was like, what the fuck do I, like, what do I do? You know, I was like, maybe she'll just stop. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, and I was like, I don't think I can talk to her in this situation. I think I, I don't know if I tried. I think I was so like startled in general from what had just happened. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened in between. I just know that at one point I had to get the phone, I had to get the house phone, go in the garage. Oh, I didn't have a phone because she smashed it. That's why I had to get the house phone. She had taken my cell phone and just like, she has done this with multiple phones, which a lot of parents I think do is, uh, you take the phone you paid for. You pay hundreds of dollars for it. You take it and you throw it on the ground and you fucking smash it. And my mom's done that multiple times. I think like thousands of dollars worth of phones. Uh, not thousands because my show, phones weren't that expensive at the time. They were just like flip phones and shit. But like, let's say hundreds. We'll say hundreds of dollars of phones smashed. Um, and at that time, my phone was actively had been smashed. And so I had to get the house phone and uh, call our closest family friend at the time which was just this nice white family uh, who we befriended when I was in kindergarten and um, this nice white Christian woman military family named Cindy came to our house to help me and uh, got her talking you know but was still like hysterically like moaning crying on the couch but basically was just saying like that I would never be anything and that I would never be, uh, that my life was ruined basically because I got, because I got caught plagiarizing in 10th grade. <laughs> um, and I think about that, that day once in a while, it comes up in my mind. Um, and it's not, it's not to say like, I, you know, I proved her wrong cause I, I don't think I did. Uh, I just like the idea of that being the, the ultimate, like my, your life is over. You fuck, you fucked up big time. There's no coming back from this. Uh, and Cindy had to like talk her down and be like, yeah, well he'll, he'll be fine. Like he's smart. Like he's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Like, you know, he'll figure it out. He'll sell his body on the internet. You know, it's fine. You know, things happen. Uh, and I don't know how it got resolved in the end. I think it was just like, it just got late and she had to go. And so I just had to like be in the house with that and not know if she was like going to kill herself then like right that night or something, you know, you know, now that her son had, had hit rock bottom. Yeah. I might've blocked out most of that, the rest of that that year. Cause I don't, I don't know what happened after that or how we came back from that, but she didn't go to the hospital. No, no. Uh, that was when she started talking about having me moving with my dad. It stopped being a threat. It had stopped being a threat of being sent to the Philippines and more of a threat of, um, having you move in with your dad, which didn't sound like a threat. It was more of just like a, maybe you'll be happier with your dad kind of thing. And I was like, maybe, <laughs> You know, it sounded okay. It sounded reasonable at the time. Um, 
But yeah, we had a couple more episodes like that where she would just get hysterical and just start like screaming and, and acting erratic. And um, I think, you know, she never really owned up to those things or the things she said during those times. And I think she, the only way she felt like she could approach it was by saying like, I think it's not good for you to live in this environment, you know? She wouldn't say what it was or what was going on, but like whenever we would talk about having me move, she was like, I was just, you know, this is probably isn't the right environment for you to be in. So I think she was taking it upon herself, but she just didn't explain it right. To me, I took it as like a sign of rejection and like, hey, you should get out of my get out of your life, you know? That I was causing her all this like but I think she just couldn't deal with the guilt. And I think she just knew she wasn't gonna do anything about what she was suffering through that couldn't she couldn't get through it and she was going to just keep taking it out on me or whatever I was doing and um so I used to not understand that and I think in retrospect only in retrospect now as an like somewhat of an adult I can like kind of respect what she did but I know when she kicked me out it was uh I was really mad I was really mad I was really mad and I didn't get it. I was, I'm still mad that she couldn't explain it. I think that's the one part where I'm like, come on, like, you could at least tell me like, it's because of, you know, because Rob's just, like my stepdad's a dick or like you're crazy or something, you know, just don't make it about, don't make it feel like I fucked up. Okay. Don't make it seem like I'm the reason why this is happening because that's what it was. That's what it felt like. And that's kind of what it's always been is that it was kind of, it's, it's my fault in the end that, um, that I wasn't doing well in this hostile environment. Okay. I'm not even talking about my step, what my stepdad would do, but that's another, maybe that's a whole nother episode is for my stepdad. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of that and they kicked me out when I was basically when I was trying to get help, I was trying to get help. I was trying to get help and go to therapy because I was like, needed someone to talk to that wasn't, in my family, I didn't have like a good, I didn't have any good, like, I didn't have siblings, I didn't have close cousins living there, I didn't have anyone that knew my mom well enough to like help me understand what was going on. And it was, I don't know, I just needed help. And I remember like trying to ask my doc, my family doctor for help with therapy, and like they kind of just like blew me off or whatever, and just like, you'll you know, talk to your mom about it. Uh, that's kind of the answer I got. And then I remember asking my mom, she's like, well, we'll figure this out. Like, just don't talk to anyone. And then, uh, I don't know. Cause this long story, but basically I was telling my girlfriend these kinds of things and she would go and tell the counselor about it, the school counselor. And then they basically reported me to, they reported this case to the school psychologist and I would get called to the school psychologist and talk to her. And, uh, my mom didn't like that. My mom didn't like that. I was talking to the school psychologist and I remember, uh, basically, uh, she was like, you need a, a risk assessment cause you seem suicidal to me or prone to like killing yourself. So you should go to the hospital and get that done. You go to the emergency department. And so my dad brought me because I didn't want to tell my mom cause I didn't think my mom would take me anyway. And I remember uh, we went, I probably told this story already, but we went and they were basically just like, nah, you're good. Like, you're just, you're just, 
like normal sad. <laughs> You're just normal, like high school, like teenage sad. And I was like, yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Um, that's what I thought. And we had called my mom along the way to tell her what was happening and that she could either come meet me, meet us there or whatever. Or I'll be home later. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. I'll tell you what happens later. And, uh, it turned it later. Basically I, I left and went back to my dad's and then we found out we didn't hear back from my mom that day. But what happened is that she was driving home from work or had left work to come to the hospital that I was, my dad and I were driving to and, uh, she had gone missing. She had gone missing on the way there, uh, apparently cause no one knew where she was. My stepdad was like looking for her, like driving around, uh, the highway and had called the same family friend, Cindy, the military family and gotten all them to drive around somewhere between work, all the places between work and the hospital to see if they could find my mom. And apparently she was just on the side of the road crying hysterically. And, and so suddenly this thing where I was trying to get help for myself became once again about my mom, uh, my mom having her unresolved issues. So it took a, a while for me to get help. It took a while for me to get help. Um, that was separate from my mom getting help or separate from my mom being the ultimate issue. I, I couldn't process things as an individual without having to process things with my mom, blah, 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 something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm here today talking like as if like I'm beyond that in a way, but I'm, I'm not, I'm still not. I'm still, I'm still bitter and I'm still angsty about it. Um, I'm not going to, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that happened and I don't think it's worthy to even talk about. It's, it's so like mundane and it's so normal. I think that so many people experience this kind of relationship with their parents and don't ever have really a good place to like reflect on it and process it. And maybe they shouldn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have just like moved on with my life. Maybe I should have played the game a little longer and not tried to like figure out what that relationship means or try to, should I salvage this? Is it salvageable? Should I be bitter? And should I just accept what it was and, and then move on and have this like non relationship with this person for the rest of my life until they die? You know, I, I accepted my mom's death a long time ago. I used to like, fantasize about it or like I, I remember being like 11 and like laying in bed before I would go to bed I would just lay there and like think about how sad I would be when my mom like died like how sad I would be when like my mom killed herself and like what I would say and what would happen and like I've run through this simulation a bajillion times over the course of my life is when my mom kills herself, what will, you know, what will I do? 
And what will that feel like? Um, and it's not, it's not, I want her to die. It's not that by any means. It's just, uh, I've had to, I've been mentally prepared for such a long time that it's, uh, it might as well be now is, is kind of how it feels. Um, my mom really liked going to Knoebels. I don't know if Knoebels is still open, but that's why I wore this, this sweatshirt today. She used to rock a lot of Knoebels. It's the one thing that I thought my, my parents did that was nice. And it actually seemed like wholesome and like normal was that they liked going at least once a year, they would go to Knoebels, um, which is a, a relatively old amusement park in Pennsylvania and the woods and like a really nice part of like, it's like, I think it's up towards the Poconos. I'm not sure if it's considered the Poconos. It's like North central PA. You can look it up. It doesn't matter, but just this old rinky dink place, a lot of wooden coasters and like old haunted house, but it's like fun. It's like a fun place and you can go for free I mean, uh, admission is free and then the rides you just pay per ride, right? Um, and it's pretty cheap too. And it's it's not like baller like prices for food or anything. It's actually like an affordable, cool amusement park. Uh, and my parents liked just going and uh, eating. They would just like sit and like eat and then they would walk around a little bit and then get something else to eat and then sit and watch people. And then they might go on the like the flume ride on the on the on the log ride like one time and then call it a day. Um but like that's the that's the and I would go with them, you know, and then they would just watch me ride rides or something, or I'd get to bring a friend. But um I think those are the times when I I, I felt like my mom was like kind of normal. And was like, okay. <laughs> was that Knobles? Um, and she would rock a lot of Knobles gear. I feel like every time they went, she would buy like a, a, a Knobles bucket hat or a Knobles uh, flip flops or something dumb. So I don't know. That was my attempt to end on a good note, but it's it's hard to see my mom's life be so um, have been so miserable even with having had uh, me in it, I guess. And it doesn't really give me much hope for my own future because I tried to talk to her and understand like what was going through her mind in her twenties and to her thirties when she had me. And there's part of me that's like, you know, I feel like in 10 years or something, I would imagine like the, the thought of me having a family would cross my mind of like maybe like now's the time to do that. And but the other part is that I don't think that's my life is going to be better in any significant way, at least mentally and like emotionally, like behaviorally won't improve significantly enough to be a good 
rational uh, father, uh, parent. Um, and seeing my mom still suffering into her into her sixties uh, is really hard and disheartening. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to end my lineage here <laughs> in this life, uh, in this generation. And that's what I've learned from my mom. And I guess now my outlet is porn. It's not for procreation, the sex I'm having. It's purely for pleasure. And I don't work hard. And I don't think I ever will. I think I'm always going to be a slacker. And that's not because of my mom. But I have mommy issues. And uh, I'm not doing anything about them. Except for this, apparently. So. Um, that's all. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I had more to say, but again, this all feels so pointless. This whole thing. I don't know if I can do more episodes of this, but it might just be a seasonal thing. I, I might come back to it when I need it, when I need some therapy. But right now I, I don't think I have much to say. That hasn't already been said. I should just stick to jerking off like, you know, the only thing I'm mildly semi good at, if I'm even good at that. Just stick to what I know. Shout out Knobles.
Fucking come, oh my fucking god. Oh my Ta-da. Ta-da. Ta-da.